Hello, I'm Craig Constantine. I'm Simon Christopher Pellet of Music on Your Own Terms. Terrific. Thank you for introducing yourself. It makes my job so much easier. <laughs> um, I got two questions. Let's do the easy one first. Sure. Um, a lot of people mention their middle name, and you and I were talking about that a bit. And give me the backstory about why is Christopher so key? Um, I mean, I like the name. One of my, you know, we named our middle child Christopher. But um, you ever you ever Google your, your name? and find out who else has the same name. Yes, I'm apparently so, famous in TV circles too. <laughs> yeah, so I did that not too long ago, and I found out that this guy in the south of England, where I'm from, was a customs and excise officer at the port of Dover, and mm. he got put away for 27 years or something for gun running and drug smuggling. <laughs> and so he's effectively um, trashing my SEO, <laughs> um, but the, the funnier part of that is that when I was first getting into the internet in the, what, uh, mid nineties, late nineties and did the same exact thing, I actually emailed him cause he was still a school kid and I found <laughs> his email address and said, Hey, we have the same name and we only live like, you know, an hour away from each other. Ha ha ha. And never thought about it again until, yeah, maybe they three or four months ago. <laughs> 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 so and, if you if you see if you google me make sure you put my middle name christopher i'm gonna say simon not that one palette that would one. not yep. be that doesn't roll off the same way the tongue the same way that right? christopher does <laughs> um so you you mentioned um you know being on the internet from the early days and uh -huh. we do a little pre-conversation first and one of the first things you said when i asked you about podcasting was um it's the new radio and mm -hmm. we also talked about you have an extensive music background uh, in New England, and your I'm going to say your passion seems to be I want to say browbeating musicians into using podcasting to <laughs> to it get can it feel done. Like that, sure. <laughs> um, was there a point where you know so having been a podcast consumer from you know mm -hmm. basically from the beginning, right? Um, was there a point where you realized that you could do something different with the podcasting medium from the musician's point of view? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'd be, I, I, you know, I was, I was listening to people like Pat Flynn and Tim Ferriss's earlier work and all that kind of stuff. So I was consuming this. Um, I was consuming all this entrepreneurial stuff and self help. Well, not self help, but self improvement self -improvement, business. Right. And, and yeah, it just the, the pushback I was getting when I was playing live, suggesting things to the bands I went, was in meeting people that were doing the same things. They were saying the same negative, you can't make money because of streaming. It's killing the industry. And I'm like, all these other things for entrepreneurship I've been hearing is basically spinning, you know, the, the conversation on its head. So how can I make money? rather than like find the ways that, you know, you can get from A to mm -hmm. B, you know, and, and it's, it's reframing things in your mind. Like, you know, uh, like American Idol and, and things like that kind of teach the general populace that all you need is one big break and you've made millions and, you know, behind the scenes, it's like, it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. There's a lot of work <laughs> that goes into it. <laughs> and that's true of any type of, business or or anything you do and i just it you know knowing all this entrepreneurial stuff and gaining more and more knowledge i just wanted to put it into a format where um you know i i just wanted to get people more clued in on that nature um 
and also, you know, I need to mention that it all stemmed out of a, a, a big depression I was going through. And my, my high school friend turned me on to all this and turned me into a podcast junkie in, you know, from Tony Robbins down all these great authors and content producers. And so part of my podcast is mental health because mm. that's also a topic that I feel it's, it's really important to get out there and talk about because it breaks down stigma. It makes people uh, feel that they're less alone. Somebody else is going through it. So I like to put all that stuff into, um, you know, a box where I interview musicians m most of the time and we talk about this stuff. Are there things that um, musicians are surprised by? Like it, it, to me, going into podcasting just seems like such an easy transition. Like, Oh, you don't have to deal with so many middlemen. Oh, you know, like there, you, you creative control is already a challenge, and it's like, well, now you have creative control. Like, are there are there things that you know the average musician that you talk with that that they're surprised by? In terms of the business aspect or the podcast? Yeah, itself? like in terms of like, oh, I can do what? Like, you know, when they see what they can do through podcasting. Um, I mean, it, it depends who you ask. If I think people know that there's no barrier to the music industry anymore and, and podcasting is the same thing. I think it's just one of those things where you have to keep telling people over and over until it gets in there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's true of anything like the, the marketing, like seven, the seven contact points of marketing, I think it's called was around in the thirties. Somebody has to see your ad seven times before they actually buy something. And I think that's true of us as human beings. We just need to see the same information. And maybe that's why I became such a podcast junkie in the first place is because I was, I, I knew, kind of knew most of the information or I knew some of it, but then you, you listen to one person say, say it, and then you listen to another person reframe it. And then you kind of get the concept and, you know, between all these different you know, outlets, they're all saying pretty much the same thing, but they're just rephrasing it differently. And I think once you hit that one person that says that one thing in just the right way, it, it all that information flows through and, ah, I got it now. You know, just, mm. you, you may have heard it like five times, but it's... Yeah, if you had started with that last one, it, it would have still taken the other four, yeah, the other five, the other six. For sure. Um, so do you, um, when you have... Um, when you have an artist on your show, what are the kinds of things that you're interested in, in like digging out of them? Like what are the kinds of the, the threads of thought that interest you to investigate when you're talking to a musician? Um, so I like to get a background of, you know, why they got into music and then why they got into their respective instruments. I like finding out that early um, spark of interest, you know, if, if they're a, t a teacher, then I like to talk about why or how they frame their teaching and what their mindsets are of learning and transferring that knowledge to their students. Um, you know, musicians that are specifically entrepreneurial, like I, um, I'll, I'll name drop Martin Atkins, who was a drummer for Public Image Limited, uh, you know, uh, Johnny Rotten's band after the Sex Pistols, Ministry, mm -hmm. all the way through to being a professor now at a Chicago university um, and still very active in the punk scene. Um, you know, I wanted to draw out of him, like where was the spark of, of entrepreneurship way back when you were like going into these bands that had no, 
um, t-shirt sales. They're, they're trying to move into bigger offices, but they've got no income. Like, oh, all right, we need to sell this stack of records to this distributor. Oh, there's a thousand pounds. You know, hmm. what, what, what made him think of that when the other band members and the manager didn't think like that? Hmm. You know, that, that's the well, kind of thing. I was going to say, how do, how do bands, um, like I hadn't really thought about a band as some, as an entrepreneurial, like, uh, gang or an entrepreneurial cohort or team. Um, do you find like, has it been your experience talking to these people that the ones that, that we see from the outside, like we see somebody who's successful, do you find that there was something magical about the team that they assembled? And what I'm wondering is, is it possible for like, let's say I make a band with four people. If I have one person on the team who just doesn't have that entrepreneurial bug, can the three of us like convert that person or is it going to be mm-hmm. an eternal struggle with that four? Like, is there something about, you know, so you were describing that particular person seeming to have an eye for it, yeah. but the people that don't have an eye for it and have bands manage to, you know, convert that person? Good question. I mean, that might reframe some of my questioning, to be honest, but I think. You know, from my experience going back to my band, um, you know, I had that pushback and there was like one person in the band that just wanted to do this one instrument and maybe write. There's one person that did the booking. There was one person that did this. Um, I think it's dependent on the, the situation. I don't think there's any magic to anything. I think you need a team, like especially today. I, mean, I think even even in the days of record companies, there was always a team. It just happened to be in a big building with tons of money behind it, pushing mm. the music out. But as an independent artist, you, you have to have a team. You can you can do everything yourself, but it's like three full-time jobs at the same time. <laughs> Recipe so, for burnout, right? Yeah, it, well, exactly. So you can only do so much. So you just have to start delegating. And if you have a group of four people in the band and one person has no you know, maybe you can start delegating them tasks that, if they're okay with it. But if they're a really, really good bass player, let's say, and they write really great riffs, maybe you're, you should just be okay with that. It depends on your level. I think I've had this conversation with somebody and I'm, I'm trying to figure out who it was, but yeah, it, it's, it's a case of if, if you're okay with that person just doing the music portion and being good at their instrument, great if they can do graphics great if they can you know be a bit more uh if they can just move stuff from a to b then that's great too but it it all depends on your level of of comfort in the beginning and i think that's something you just have to have a conversation up front saying what are you willing to do what can you do and then what are we expecting so Mm -hmm. if if those three things don't really line up um, then you end up in arguments and people leave and get frustrated. But if you can come to an agreement of what's expected or what people have the ability to do, it's not even the question of, I want to do something. I just don't have the ability to do that thing. You know, whether it's, you know, mm-hmm. endless examples like, you know, marketing or, or finance. But, you know, if, you, if, if no one in that band can do that one thing, you, you may have to hire a lawyer. You may have should hire a lawyer regardless, but, um, (laughs) you know, you have to find someone to do your books. You have to find maybe booking is not a a strong point for everyone. So then you have your first port of call, maybe a booking agent, you know, Mm. there's, there's people that do those things. You know, it's just a case of, can we afford it? 
and who can who can do it instead of hiring it out hmm. there's i've read a, a bunch of different things from different sources about um it's often called just the gatekeeper um, mm-hmm. and the idea is you know when space was limited whether that's billboard space advertising space on tv you know a number of concert venues when something is limited then somebody gets to choose right. um, and then with that choosing comes power and it kind of can cut both ways so if it's um um, I'm trying to think of, a, of like a platform agnostic example, but if the person who's doing the choosing, they're going to have a certain style. And right. if the consumers love that style, great. Now I can just follow what you do. Um, but that, uh, it seems to me that historically, you know, thinking about music, thinking about radio, thinking about record sales, historically that gatekeeper power has been vastly asymmetrical and it, it works really good for the big labels. Um, so, okay, that that's all kind of like, people should understand that that's the norm that the internet fixed that or broke it, whichever side of the wall you were on. Um, but what I'm thinking is how can, um, musicians use podcasting as, as like a force multiplier to like Hmm. get further or to, to get more, to accomplish more of their dream, not necessarily to reach more people, but like, how can they use it to get things done that they want to get done? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I've been kind of thinking about different forms of uh, of marketing and for, for bands. I, I yeah, I mean, I think reaching more people is always going to be the ultimate goal because you just need to get your stuff out there. Right now, the the gatekeeper is that noise level where there's so many thousands and thousands of people right. putting stuff, you know, putting their music on the internet every single day. Like, there's no, well, there, I mean, there's room. There'll be exponential room, but you know, serve server lands in, in California or whatever, but it, it, I think the way that musicians can use podcasting to their, to their advantage is by talking about other subjects other than trying to sell their music. So one, one idea I've been coming up with is trying to figure out, all right, what other, other than music, what other, um, you know, what are your other hobbies? Let's say you're into cooking or you're into sports. Start tweeting about the sports team or start thinking about recipes. So now you can go on to a guest on a show that's about cooking, share your recipe with the audience and talk about cooking. Oh, by the way, I'm in a band. Like that's how you're introduced. I'm the singer of said Mm, band. And, you know, it, it builds connection with your audience because now, you know, you might have you know, 10 people that listen to that type of music who, li- who listen to that, um, that podcast because of the food aspect. Yeah. Doing and they the find diagram, out about right. your, yeah. They find out about your, uh, your band because of that podcast where they, they wouldn't necessarily have done it because you're in two parts of the country. And, you know, that just gives you that kind of conduit to, to be able to get your music out to people further. I mean, mm. outside of that, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a case of, you can use podcasts. You could start your own podcast. Um, talk, just talking about something different, and you know, people may end up. Actually, that's a that's a very good point because um, Simon Tam, I saw at CD Baby 2019. He's a member of ba- a band called The Slants. They're an Asian American band, uh, kind of pop rock. They started doing anime conventions. And one of his marketing, he's a brilliant marketing like genius. Um, they went on tour and they started visiting restaurants because they're foodies. So they started a Yelp 
account had all the band information on the Yelp account and then started reviewing all these restaurants and even went so far as to like pick their top 10 restaurants of that tour and have a placard in the windows. And then Mm. people were actually seeing the reviews, seeing the placards and finding out about their bands. And they got downloads specifically just through the Yelp reviews. I'm looking for a burger on Tuesday in Michigan and I find a band, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, you could, you could do the same thing with podcasting. Yeah. And I, I think it speaks to the idea that not, I mean, not everybody, but most people would want more connection to their favorite bands, you know, like pick Mm -hmm. your favorite band. How many albums did they do? You know, like how many concerts can there possibly be? You just, if you really love the band, you really can only get so much of their music and it is neat to see, Oh, these guys like this food or here they are talking about this topic or, Mm -hmm. you know, there are a bunch of bands I can think of through history. I'm like, could somebody please do an hour long podcast of where the song comes from? Just, you know, what's the, what's the actual backstory, how to get written, tell us the stories of how things got recorded. There's so much, um, so much that I would believe happens when the artists are getting together to record and like, what are those experiences like? And that, that stuff you could share in a number of mediums, but podcasting screams out is a great way to do that. Absolutely. Are you familiar with this, the song exploder podcast? Um, nope, not that one. That one is specifically that exploring an album or, a, or a, an artist's mm. like work and they, they go in and they, they dissect stuff. So you, you might get a kick out of that one. That's neat. Um, do you find that, uh, so the people that are listening to your show and, you know, like as a podcaster, right, you know, feedback from anybody is like, you don't get a lot, but have you been, have you gotten any surprising feedback from listeners of your show, things that you really weren't expecting when you started the project? Um, I wouldn't say I got, I didn't get, you know, I haven't really gotten any, um, surprising feedback. Um, what I, what I, the biggest surprise was, you know, just from an episode interviewing my, my guitar teacher from when I was like 13 through 16, I don't want to say how many decades ago it was, but (laughs) I went back, I said, Hey, I follow, you know, I follow him on Instagram and I said, you want to come on the podcast and, and have a chat? And he's like, sure. So we had this conversation and I realized afterwards when I was editing it, like, all the there was so much subconscious information that he'd passed for for those three years that he taught me that I didn't even you know that you know there, there was lessons where that, that I've passed on to my own students but I the subconscious life lessons that I got mm. from him was just like whoa I didn't realize he taught me that just just by talking to him so that that was the biggest surprise and and you know I I don't think we have a lot of time left. I, I wanted to go down a tangent, but we, we will okay. have to do a part two. Um, well, I was just going to say that the reason, the biggest surprise was my realization of why I started the podcast in the in the first place. You know, I say it's because of, you know, entrepreneurship and music, but I really think because of my anxiety and my depression, I think my subconscious is basically telling me you need to start doing something where you can actually talk rather than, you know, I, I was very, uh, very good at writing and phrasing in written word and going back and editing emails, but 
Hmm. You stick me in front of a microphone and I freeze up and I, I, I had some severe stage anxiety, which caused like some spasming in my neck and stuff. It was horrible. Um, and have a conversation and, and talk intelligently without stuttering was um, pretty, pretty bad at one point. So I think my subconscious was basically saying, you know, do this thing because it's going to make you better at talking to people and you'll actually, you know, maybe make some friends, which, you know, I've made some really great friends and connections with, with podcasting. So, you know, yeah, that, the, that's, that the connections are like amazing. the biggest thing for me. Cool. Well, Simon Christopher Pellet, I think <laughs> that's probably a good place to call it for today. Um, so. It was, it, I was, when you said connections, I was thinking like, yeah, there's a train of connections that led me, but I'm not going to unpack it. People mm -hmm. can ask me if they see me in person. Um, so it was a pleasure to get a chance to talk to you, to meet you, to talk about podcasting from a musician's perspective. That's definitely something I had never really thought about from that point of view before. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a, it was really, really fun.